You're listening to The Show on the Road, a new podcast where I interview songwriters, band leaders, and musicians from around the world. My name is Zach Lubitin. This week on the show, my conversation with a Guatemalan-born folk pop shapeshifter who sings effervescently in four languages and has played shows on four continents, Gabby Moreno. While she may not describe herself as a child prodigy, she has had a gift from a very young age, with a voice that is both light as a summer breeze and sharp as a knife in a lover's quarrel. With a music promoter for her dad back home, Gabby's been playing music on stages since she could walk. Did she open for Ricky Martin when she was 10? Yes, I heard she did. And once she started writing her own tunes, she won the prestigious John Lennon songwriting contest, which began to bring her name to national attention. Born Maria Gabriela Morena Bonilla in Guatemala City, she knew she wanted more as a teenager and journeyed to the USA with that big voice and an even bigger dream, and has since lived several lives here inside the dark heart of the LA music business, getting signed to Warner Brothers at 18 and then dropped, signed by Epic Records and then dropped again at 20. It's a tough business. Why didn't she just give up and go home? Because that dream was a bit bigger than that. And over the last decade and a half, Gabby has put out a series of sonically adventurous and politically fearless English and Spanish language albums that have created an international fan base for her that takes her around the world each year. Hopscotching from early jazz to introspective folk to Dap King-assisted soul, Gabby has been filling concert halls from Berlin to Sydney, winning her a Latin Grammy in the process, setting up a dream collaboration on a new album with Van Dyke Parks, and getting her weekly appearances on NPR's Live From Here with Chris Teeley as his singing secret weapon. Fun fact, she even helped write the theme song to Parks and Recreation. And despite being painfully multi-talented, she's also among the kindest, sweetest souls I've ever had on this show. And make sure you stick around for her new song that she plays at the end, and I really love the short story she wrote on the spot about UFOs and time travel. So without further ado, Gabby Moreno. How's your day going so far? <laughs> it's going well. You know, pretty slow, but um, I, I guess that's a rarity for me, <laughs> especially because I, I was just on tour and I just got back um, on Saturday from uh, like a six-week tour. So six weeks. Where uh, where were you playing? Well, it started on uh, in the East Coast. I did a tour over there, um, just five cities, like New York, Philly, and D.C. And, and then from there, I went to Australia for two weeks. And then... That's a long flight. That was a very long flight. And then back to um, Texas to do more dates there. What do you do on a, like, 14-hour flight? Sleep. Well, if it's, yeah, if it's an overnight, you know what, on this one it was actually really crazy because I actually slept 10 hours, which I don't think I've ever slept that long ever in my life on a flight, so that was nice. Do you sleep with the blinders on? I have I have this awesome jacket that, that has this hoodie that goes like all over your head, <laughs> so it's basically, yeah, I love that, that's like my travel jacket, so yeah, that definitely helped, but I, I don't know, I must have been like super tired because I just like passed out, and then I woke up and... I don't know. The flight had Wi-Fi, so that was nice. So then I just kind of connected and did some work. <laughs> and then we were there. Do you read when you're traveling? Um, sometimes. Sometimes I do. Like, some, you know, I'm just like on my phone. I just, you know, most of the time. I just, I just feel like if I take... I used to, like, really, like, bring books and everything. And then I just realized that it was just, you know, more weight that I could really handle. Because I already have, like, so much stuff to bring with me that... I figured, you know, I, I, I like to take the time to read when, I, when I'm home and, I, and that there's nothing in, going on in my head and no distractions and none of that. What are you reading right now? Um, I, my husband got me this book um, on how to, like, fight a good fight, <laughs> which is... Like, which sounds like so physically or, or, or philosophically? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, like, like, yeah, just you know, psychologically, like how to just 
you know like the art of war type thing or no no just like it with with people like you know like to, to kind of suppress like any aggressive feelings that you have which is kind of funny because i'm not an aggressive person i was kind of making fun of him <laughs> like why would you get me that <laughs> yeah what are you saying <laughs> i know yeah it's kind of funny but what if you um, use the techniques on him yeah which i've been trying to actually yeah it's been good i guess i don't know <laughs> what annoys you most about your husband no don't say <laughs> Oh, no, it's not going to go good. <laughs> no, actually, um, we have a great relationship. He's a, he's a musician as well. He's, he's a, the drummer in my band. So we spend a lot of time together. It's convenient. Um, yeah, it's great. We get to like tour together and do a lot of stuff together. And we've been, we've been together for forever. So. And you moved to the States when you were around 18? 19, yeah. Yeah. From Guatemala City? Yep, from Guatemala. Uh, I was born and raised over there, and then I just decided that I, you know, I just, I, I needed to, I needed something bigger for my career, and there was no way that I could um, achieve it by just staying in Guatemala. Like, it was either, like, go to Mexico if you want a career, you know, in, in with, you know, in Latin America, or Mexico City. Mexico City. Yeah, that's where everybody goes. Like, right. well, now now it's actually that's how it was back in the '90s and early 2000s. But now, like a lot of people are also there, there's a good music scene in Colombia. And there's a good, great music scene in Argentina, uh, in Chile, and then Brazil has its own world. It's mm. it's really amazing. So, anyways, but but for me, I just knew that I had to come to the states because I really loved blues and jazz and soul music, and so I was like, ah, I need to be here, you know. Where, where these uh, styles come from, and really absorb them. You first heard the blues on a trip to New York when you were a kid, right? Yes, um, like the blues, you know, yeah. blues, bl traditional blues. Yeah, um, I was I was uh, on a trip with my family. They they took me to see um, Broadway plays because I was really into musicals at the time, and then. Uh, we were just walking down the street, and then that's when I heard it from this woman who was just busking in the streets. She was singing, I don't know, something that sounded like Coco Taylor, I guess. Mm. And um, and I, yeah, and I, so I asked her, like, what was that music? And because for me, it was so foreign. You know, mm. I had never heard anything like it. Because when I um, asked my mother to take me to a, a record store to buy blues records, I mean, I didn't know any artists so I just got compilation CDs and and the first song that came on was Wang Dang Doodle so I feel like every musician has that or a couple of moments when they're young when a music hits them that yeah. is so uh, foreign but almost like a lightning strike it, right? absolutely that's what it was that's how it felt to me like I was like where where were you all my life? You yeah. know, like this, this this music was just, it just spoke to me so loudly. It was amazing. Yeah, there's probably not a whole lot of American artists that tour down to Guatemala that much, right? No, I mean, um, definitely not, you know, the more the more traditional blues artists or traditional jazz artists. We would get, well, even like the big pop artists wouldn't really come down. Still don't. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's weird. Um, you definitely don't have that exposure. So, so that's why I was. I just kept dreaming. Like, oh man, one day I want to come here to the states and you know just be part of this scene. There's some of your st earlier work, mm -hmm. the Postales, the record from from yep. 2012, that yep. is kind of shape shifting out of different sort of styles and, yeah, yeah. and there's kinda, like a there's like a Beatles flair kind yeah. of to the No Estai Tan Mal and then there's yeah, yeah, like yeah. you know the Valle de Magnolias you're feeling like <laughs> there's some funky. yeah some Aretha Franklin <laughs> and then but there's the that nostalgia tune that yeah. feels like like the Andrew sisters might be in the background coming in you know? <laughs> right yeah yeah I know every record that I've made kind of has that like it's just it's really hard for me to like just stick to one thing because I just have been have been inspired by so many different styles of music and I remember like early on when I first moved here and I was signed to labels like that was always you know the battle like they would always like tell me like no pick a lane pick yeah pick a locale you know like just it was it was very uh 
Well, at, at the beginning, like I, I, I definitely felt like, oh, maybe this is not going to be a good thing. Like it's going to put me behind everybody else. But I, I, I don't know. I just kind of said, you know, it's same, same with the singing in Spanish, singing in Spanish and English. Mm. Like they would tell me, like, no, you, you gotta like stick either to one language. You know, just don't do both. You're going to confuse people, your audiences. But then one said, one day I said, just screw it all. I'm just going to do my thing, and you know. Whoever's on board, then that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> well, if you look at the sort of global charts right now, a lot of it is Spanish language yeah, stuff, yeah. you know, club music and Daddy Yankee. It's like these are yeah. the guys that whenever I want to depress myself, I go on Spotify and be like, who's the top 10 songs in the world right I now? I know. It's a lot of Spanish stuff now. Jay Balvin. And- it's like stuff that like is so far beyond anything I could create that you're like, why am I... <laughs> Who am I creating for? You know, but, oh, no, but yeah, you no, but it's but it's an awesome, I think, thing to look and see what people are really listening to. You know, around yeah, the world, the, the mass. You know, like that's what they. But it, I, I feel like in every field you have that. You know, with movies you have that, yeah. like the blockbusters. You know, yeah. There's always going to be an audience for everything, though. We we can't forget that. And your newest record, Illusion. Yeah. Um, which I, I also released it in, in Europe and that and it's called Illusion. Okay. Which I was looking for a word that you could understand yeah. in both languages. But the and you did that with the Daptone crew. Yeah, Gabe uh well just with um with, with Gabe Roth. Um he uh he plays bass with the Dap Kings and he's also has been part of the Dap Daptone records and you know, worked with Sharon Jones and Charles Bradley and all those guys. But he was, he's the producer of that album and en- and engineer because we did not use any computers like he that's just the way he works. Do it to tape, all the tape, yeah, and live takes. It was. A, it a sounds big... so damn good. Oh, thank you. It it's it sounds great, and I think he just really captured the you know the essence of of those songs, and I really love the fact that there's a lot of space. Mm. Yeah, that's something that that we kind of take for granted nowadays i think in music like we just want to like you know stuff everything right and it's just just so nice when there's like no like give give the listener some time to think about what they're you know hearing is the song sister rosetta about rosetta tharp yeah so that song is originally um written by sam phillips Mm. and her her song is called sister rosetta goes before us Mm. um a beautiful song uh that she put out on on her album, and then later um, Robert Plant and Alison Krauss covered it on on, on their album Racing Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I just absolutely love that song from the first moment I heard it. I just knew that I that it would sound really beautiful in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So I I asked her if I could if I could translate it, and she gave me her blessing, and it was wonderful. Um, so yeah, the song of course it's about Sister Rosetta, but how how Sister Rosetta's music is inspiring mm-hmm. to that one person who's uh, you know living a, a heartbreak or something so mm. and yeah I, I it's beautiful I totally relate to it because I'm just a huge sister Rosetta fan and funny the thing I remember discovering her through the movie Amelie Oh, so, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. When All she's looking little, at the, on the, the TV little video clips yeah, of yeah, like yeah, yeah. her like slinging the guitar yeah, yeah. you know I remember that and I was like well. who is that? I know Amazing, so amazing. And then the guy that's like dancing with his yeah. with his leg, with a wooden leg. Yeah, that's one of my favorite movies. So like, I, to, I have a poster in the kitchen. <laughs> you do. That's great. Yeah, and the oh, the music is incredible too. What was your? Uh, do you remember the first record as a kid that really made you want to start writing songs? Ooh, that made me start. Well, the thing is that when I was a kid in Guatemala, I was. First of all, you got to know that I don't come from a musical family. Um, my mother uh, is a TV radio personality, but she's she's actually tone deaf, like really. <laughs> like I I've tried so many times to get her to sing some harmony with me, she can't. Is she like a broadcaster uh, or like a Yeah, 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 she's she's um now she has her own radio show every morning and she's a great like public speaker, you know. What's her radio show called? It's called Buenos Dias con Lucy Bonilla, which means <laughs> good morning with Lucy Bonilla. That's her name. Um, and my dad was um, an artist promoter. So he would bring artists in, like from Mexico and different parts of Latin America to Guatemala to do concerts. And uh, he, he's, you know, he's got a good voice. He can sing, um, but definitely not, nothing that 
He was music adjacent. Professional. Yeah, 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 exactly. He he has he has a really good ear. And and so I think that I really got a lot of my musical talent from his side of the family. Also from my mom's side of the family, I think there's like a grandmother or a grandparent that played piano, something like that, but like very far away. And um, there wasn't really like a lot of music in the house. Like nobody was playing an instrument. Um, I, I don't think there were like a lot of records being played. My mother would occasionally go and buy like... I remember so well her taking me to buy an Elvis Presley cassette. Mm. Like, I don't know. I just remember. And then I remember she would listen to a lot of classical music in mm. the house. Um, and that's kind of how I started singing um, opera and classical mm. when I was seven years old. Mm. So so I really, I started more from this sort of a, a, a singer, you know, mm-hmm. Space. I, I like. I, I. I wasn't even playing any instruments. I was just singing, singing, and I loved musicals and I loved Disney and Disney movies and, you know, singing those songs. Um, I picked up the guitar when I was thirteen, and and after I did that trip to New York and I started listening to blues, that's when I said, okay, I love this. I really want to get into writing and the guitar and everything and and. Okay, so I think it was Jimi Hendrix who kind of made me mm. like, shit, I want to write songs like this. Mm. <laughs> Which is, I know, it sounds yeah, really it's a, crazy. It's a tough but, act to follow, yeah. But I was, I got really obsessed with, with his music, and I remember like one of the first songs that I learned on guitar was like Purple Haze, and I was mm. like, this is so awesome, and I went, yeah. So maybe that, that, that was one. Yeah. Did that, is that song from Postales, No Estoy Tan Mal? Yeah. Um, it has for me. It really reminds me of like because the Beatles t- song and then oh. like Oh Darling, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm curious wh- what how that song came to be. <clears throat> that was actually it's funny because that was one of the first songs that I wrote in Spanish. So mm. maybe that, that's another thing that I should tell you about. That when I first moved here to LA, I I was kind of determined on just writing and singing in English mm-hmm. um, because I just thought that it sounded more authentic for the the kind of music that I wanted to do. So. Uh, years later, I got together with uh, with these guys, um, Victor Andritzo, who's an incredible drummer, Ari Shine, an incredible guitar player, and we were messing around in the studio, and um, and they said to me, you know, you really ought to like start writing some songs in Spanish, and I was like, oh, really? I don't know if I can, but they were very encouraging, and um, and and that song just kind of came about like one day we just we were just kind of the three of us just jamming and. Um, I was really into, I mean, always been, but like, you know how you have like your faces where you're really like, oh my God, I'm really like into like Lennon. Like mm-hmm. that was my face. Like I was mm. just obsessed with Plastic Ono Band and of course the Beatles and all of that. So I was like, I want to write a song kind of like this, but in Spanish, see how that turns out. <laughs> so that's how it kind of came about. You got to crazy. meet Yoko Ono, right? I did. Um... I won the John Lennon songwriting contest back in 2006. And uh, yeah, after that, like they flew me to New York to open for Fergie. Cause as one does. As one does. <laughs> that was pretty wild. Where in? Like Madison Square Garden? No, no, no. It was, <laughs> I think it was like the Roseland Ballroom or something. Okay. Like that. But it was, it was fun because it was like my first time playing on a stage in New York and it was a huge deal for me. Um, and then a few months after that was the, the CES convention mm-hmm. in Vegas, and they had the Lennon bus mm-hmm. uh, there, like on display, and, which is uh, for those who don't know, the Lennon bus is a, basically a, a a tour bus, and inside there's a full recording studio, and they tour around the country, and they go to music schools or to like just high schools and, and get kids to go inside and make music and record music. So it's really cool, um, and it's part of the Lennon Foundation. So, as a winner of the contest, I got to go to CES, um, that convention in Vegas, and Yoko Ono was there. So, I got to meet her there. What did you say to her? Well, uh, not much. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember that we were, she was leaving. Like, I I saw her speak, and then as she was leaving, I asked if I could take a picture with her. And she just turned around to me. She was like, one picture. <laughs> and then, then just took a picture and that was it. <laughs> and then someone introduced her uh, 
someone like you know said oh this is Gabby Moreno she won the John Lennon Songwriting Contest and she was like oh you know she gave me a hug she was really sweet what is the best advice you ever received from your grandmother <gasps> from my grandmother oh you know I I, I don't think I've I've had like that type of conversation with my grandma. Like it's always been more about me asking her about her life, and like mm. she's very. Well, I'm talking about my my only living grandmother right now, which is my my mother's mom. Um, she's amazing. She's 93, mm. and I talk to her. She she texts she texts me on WhatsApp, <laughs> and she uses Facebook, and she's incredible. Um, she's in Guatemala. Watches so. Netflix. Like uh. that's her favorite thing to do right now. She's in Guatemala. Yeah. What's grandma's go-to show? <clears throat> Oh man, I gotta ask her what she's into right now. She's, she just watches her everything that's out there. I think she was watching Scandal, and I mean, like, I'm like, really? Yeah. Wow, that's uh, that's heavy. It's like a telenovela a little bit. Yeah. yeah, I guess she's so sweet. But yeah, I don't think she's ever giving me like. She's always telling me like you know. That she's very Catholic, so she's always like blessing me and like, mm. go with God and like you know. Everything you do, do for God, that kind of thing. <laughs> Did you grow up religious? Um, I grew up in a, yes, Catholic family. Uh, I actually went to an all-girl Catholic school where we re received religion. Like, there was a class called religion. religion. Um, so, yeah. But it wasn't, like, super, super religious, I guess. I don't know. I did go to church every Sunday, though. I guess it was. <laughs> do you believe in heaven or hell? <clears throat> Um, you know, like it has changed over the years. Like if I did as a kid, I did as a teenager maybe because it's all like they, they put these ideas in your head. Now I just kind of believe in a just bigger energy. And I believe that when you die, you just go back to where you were before you were born. Mm. That makes any sense. Where's that? I don't know. Where were we? You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? You believe we in re were, we reincarnation? Were, we were stardust, and we are, and mm. we go back to being that. Mm. I don't know. I like to believe. I like that. I like to believe those things, because I just feel like religion nowadays just like instills a lot of fear in people, and it just it, it divides people, and it can... I don't know. Um, definitely have I definitely have my own ideas about it, but who knows, right? Yeah. Who's to say? The... Uh, the song that I want to ask you about on Illusion, mm -hmm. uh, Pale Blue Lights. Oh, Pale Bright Lights, yeah. But, yeah, it feels like it's like about someone being chased or being hounded. Yes, it's, uh, it's based on uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was just reading their story and I was like, oh man, this sounds like a, like a good story for a song. Give me that, I think this is, the, this is the first verse, so this is where our final journey ends. Can you... Yeah, like this is like this is where we're like I'm thinking of like when they're being they're being chased and you're like they really feel like oh shit like now we really got nowhere to go like now we're really screwed, so this is where our final journey ends like we've been through so much together you know the two of them and deep in the dark of these desolate woods, I'm just imagining that they're just hearts like, racing like a hurricane underneath a blushed moon. Yeah, I I wanted to like kind of get into that movie. I know, and there's a, there's a new one coming out, I think. Mm. Um, I just saw a trailer of it. So, When you write a song, do you like to go beyond your experience and create like a fantasy? Yes, I do. I do. A lot of people ask me about that, and I, and I feel like I don't really have a lot of autobiographical songs. Even like songs, like people, people have asked me about, oh, you know, your songs are so sad. Like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. I really am. Like, I, I'm in a perfectly happy marriage. I have a beautiful life. You know, it's like, um, but sometimes like you find inspiration in, in, in those songs and, and, and you also try to, I, I try to put myself in like the shoes of other people, like what mm -hmm. other, like, other people are going through, like other experiences. Cause I, sometimes I feel like my experiences are maybe a little boring. I don't know. And there's, I don't know. There, there's so, there's so much to, to, to sing about out there. And I also, and I also love to sing about, fictional characters and mm. create stories in my head. So mm. like, I mean, these guys are not fictional, but um, yeah, I have other songs where I'm this, or mythical, you know, stories. Um, I have a song about a poem that my mom used to recite to me when I was a kid uh, called Garrick, Garrick, um, 
the poem is incredible if you if you get a chance to to read it it's 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 in spanish it's called reir llorando but i'm sure like you can find you can find a translation of it um it talks about this this man who's a you know an otherworldly figure who makes people laugh and you know everybody knows everybody in that town knows that they have to go and 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 see this man to mm. cure you know everything you know if they, if they're going through depression like he'll cure them and then in that same town there's this other man who's like super depressed to the point where he you know wants to commit suicide so he goes to see a doctor mm. and then the uh, the doctor asks him all kinds of questions and then at the end says you know what there's only one thing you can do go see garrick and he's like really garrick is going to cure me he's like yeah that's what he does everybody in this town knows that about and then he says at the end oh please change my prescription I am Garrick. Oh. And I remember like every every time... Twist ending. Total twist ending. And every time my mom would recite that to me, I was always like, oh, it's so shocking, that ending. It's so sad. And I wrote a song about it. So, yeah. Do you write poetry yourself? I don't. I feel like I, I, I write my songs and I guess they're kind of poetry, you know, they're why rhyming. Are, <laughs> why aren't song lyrics treated like poetry? I know. Because um, once you put music to them, I guess it's not really considered pure not? poetry. Because pure poetry is just the words, you mm. know. Like I feel like, and my my mother and my that side of the family, like my grandparents were poets. Mm. My grandfather, my mom's dad, even like rewrote lyrics to our national anthem. Really? Yes, and he was a poet. Mm. Like he wrote books, and he was in my so my it's in the blood. A my grandmother bit. too. A little bit, but I feel like for me, it's just easier to put the words and the music together. I know right. that there's a lot of musicians out there that write their poems, and then later they put the music to it. For me, it's like, I have like this way, you know, it's a very personal thing, but I just, I write my music first, and, and then later, like, the music kind of di dictates what the song could be about. What is the national anthem about? Because our, <laughs> our national anthem, as you know, is like very, like, war... Centric, it, which, and, and it which is. I yeah, find yeah. offensive. Right. Like I always say that. Like, I wish the Ray Charles version of America the Beautiful would be could the, be I know. our yeah. real national totally. anthem because it's so much more uplifting and yeah. sort of like you know about the sort of expanse of this country. Yeah. And and then the American national anthem is about bombs <laughs> and like barely and like surviving. Yeah, yeah, know, the, like, and 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 actually the the Guatemalan anthem. Um, it's very long, by the way. It's like, if you sing the whole thing, it's like six minutes long. And you always have to sing the whole thing. Because oh, it's like disrespectful if you don't. Like at, at football games, they have to do the oh, whole thing? Oh, yeah. The whole thing. Which is kind of funny, because that's why I go like, that's, it's a good thing that we've never been to the World Cup, because I don't know what they would do. <laughs> yeah. um, I actually sang it when I was 15 years old. I, I recorded it in a soulful way, which is very um, problematic in my country <laughs> it created people a lot of controversy offended? oh yeah like the older people were very offended by it and like why are you like well, what is how is it <clears> supposed <throat> to be saying it's like like, like a military march kind of thing oh, okay. you know and whatever I just did it with piano and I sang it in my way I, I was listening to a lot of Mariah Carey back in the day so <laughs> I just tried to do it like my 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 Whitney Houston way I don't know anyways um, the song the song was it has a very interesting history um, it was you want to look it up? Let's, let's use the internet. Oh my God. My grandpa... Okay, this is the craziest thing. My grandpa was born in 1886, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah, he had my mom when he was 70 in 1956, and then he died. But, um... No, so it must have been in the 1930s that he rewrote, rewrote the lyrics. So let's just say turn of the century. Sometime in the 19... What do you say? 19-teens? Guatemala Feliz. <laughs> yeah, Guatemala Feliz. <laughs> <clears throat> it was adopted in 1896 as the winning entry in a competition held by the government. Exactly, that's what I'm going to say. But and they were modified slightly in 1934. Yes, by? By Professor Jose Maria Bonilla Ruano. That's my grandfather. He's in Wikipedia. I know. <laughs> he, he modified it because they were very, the lyrics were very violent mm. because they were submitted by an anonymous writer who was from Cuba. Oh. And the guy just like wrote about like the bloodshed and this and that. Mm. And it was crazy. So my grandpa said, you know what? No, like we're, we're a peaceful country. You know, this, this needs to change. And so he, he 
he did that. And a lot of the lyrics that we sing today are his lyrics. The identity of the author of the song's original lyrics were not known until 1911, when on his deathbed, Jose Joaquin Palma revealed That's, he yeah. had authored the lyrics. That's the Cuban guy. Yeah. Jose Joaquin Palma. <laughs> How often do you go back? Oh, man, I try to go back like two to three times a year, because my whole family's still there. So um, I do a festival every year um, where I... More so than a festival, it's almost like a, like a review type of show where I bring two artists from, you know, here and artists that would never think about going to Guatemala and, and just have each artist perform like, you know, a 20-minute set and then we do songs together. And mm. The first uh, band that I invited was uh, the Milk Carton Kids. Mm. And uh, it's, been, it's been really fun. It's been great to, to, you know, expose people in Guatemala to this kind of music. You would never hear it down there. So, I, I usually ask this question, and this is fitting now since you have your own festival. If, if you could book your own festival, but book people dead or alive, Ooh. who would be the first five people <gasps> that you could book? Okay. Um, Sisters in a Tharp, Nina Simone. Oh my God, this is going to be really hard. <laughs> um Harry Nielsen, even though I know he hated performing live, <laughs> be like, do it. <laughs> he could be like the special VIP yeah. tent. He'll be for like, like, we would film him. People. We would film him in a little room, and then it would be projected on a giant screen or something. Um, yeah. What yeah. <laughs> um, I say? So, Sister Saranina Simone, Harry Nielsen, um, Bob Dylan, mm. Randy Newman. <laughs> Bob Dylan from which album? <laughs> Oh my goodness. I don't know. What would you say? I feel like I have like three favorites. Blonde on Blonde is, I think, one of the greatest Absolutely. things ever created. Also, you have the band sort of with him, behind him. Oh, um, the band. Yes, I um, want the band. <laughs> uh, I really like bringing, bringing it all back home. Yes, I love it. Uh, but I also really like Love and Theft Shit. from, you know, 2001. I don't know. I mean, it could it could be also from now. I really love what you know what he's been doing now. So. He can play whatever he wants, you know. And it would be great to hear him do an electric set and a folk set all at once. So you started collaborating with uh, Van Dyke Parks about yes. what ten years ago now? Yes. So I met him. Yeah, like ten, eleven years ago, um, here at at Largo. We were. I was. I was playing and. Um, and I was doing a residency with this guy who's an incredible upright bass player named David Pilch. And we were doing, you know, these shows in, in the little room at Largo. And every week we would bring a guest. So we had like Joe Henry and Victoria Williams would come down. And then he invited Van Dyke. So we hit it off. We started talking about music from Latin America that he just absolutely loves. Happened in the 1960s, he toured um, up and down the coast of california with his brother mm. carson parks and they would um perform like songs from mexico like boleros and mm. mariachi songs and corridos and mm. and i mean imagine like these two like white boys from like mississippi you know like singing like in spanish and, and he just he loved it and he and then he kind of put it aside and then he did his records and all that and just never like never got to work on any project like you know like that so when uh, when I met him, we just said, you know what? Why don't we like start thinking of some songs that we love from different countries in Latin America? And and he said to me, well, yeah, send them to me with just you and your guitar, and I'll and I'll do arrangements. Mm. And, and and that's how it started. Like I would just send him demos of me just playing with my guitar, and then next thing I know, he was sending me like these full on arrangements on MIDI. Um, and it sort of stayed there because it was very ambitious and I didn't have any money to go and go to a studio and, you know, record an orchestra. It was mm. like full orchestra arrangements. So um, uh, then two years ago, I said, you know what, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's just kind of piece it together. And, and we did. And it's crazy. And now finally it's coming out after all these years. This for the first thing that you came out with is that cover of The Immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a song from was it ninety eight or so? Ninety eight, yeah. yeah. It was um, it was written 
uh, by David Rudder, who's a, an artist that Van Dyke has worked with in the past from um, a, a Trinidad. Mm. And he was living in New York at the time. Now he's in Canada. But anyways, he wrote the song uh, about uh, uh, a refugee from Haiti that was brutally assaulted by the New York police. And it was kind of like big on, in the mm. news and everything. And, and so he wrote that, so, that amazing song called The Immigrants. And Van Dyke showed it to me. And I said, wow, this is pretty powerful. I mean, it's, we tweaked the lyrics a little bit to <coughs> sort of fit it to what we are living now, you know, in, in, in this political climate. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a great song. And you, there's that refrain that keeps repeating that immigrants are here to stay. The yeah. Immigrants are here to, to stay. To help build America. You yeah. Know? They're not going anywhere. Yeah, man. Because it's like, I feel like people just need to like realize that this is a country built by immigrants. We are, we are all immigrants. And I'm not just saying, I mean, you are, you come from immigrants. Um, you know what I mean? Like even, even in Guatemala, I am an immigrant. I come from immigrants. From, from Spain, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. We well, there was there besides the sort of indigenous people in the Americas, and the indigenous people moved. Right, you know there, I mean? there Asia, was. And yeah. I mean, everybody's moving. Yeah. You know, and the immigration. I don't know why people are just so scared by that word, but we we're we're moving. Human but it, it happens in in so many cultures of this sort of us versus them. Yeah. Mentality, and it, I think it it goes back to honestly, like our sort of primitive uh, selves of just like resources are, are, hmm. are finite. Right. I, I want the most for my people and my family yep. and screw, screw you, you. Yeah, yeah. you know, Absolutely. if you try to take that from me, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of the stats that say the more immigrant center community, the better economically the, the it does. The economy grows, exactly. Yeah. I, do, I don't understand that either. So, And the, some of the proceeds... Uh, from that song, immigrants go to help representing kids who were separated at the border, right? Yeah, yeah, to uh, this um, organization called Carecen. Um, they're they're helping like the families being separated. So, yeah, trying to do something good with it. If you could see yourself twenty years from now, hmm. what would be okay. the best case dream scenario? <sighs> dream scenario. Um... I would still love to be making music, honestly. Like, as long as I'm, I'm healthy and I have, still have the energy, and and I, I would, love to still be able to, stay creative. You know, still be writing songs. Still. I mean, I, I, I don't know if like touring all over the world because that gets a little tiring. <laughs> like even now, I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> how, how much longer I can do? I don't know how much longer I can do this for, but. Um, what is the thing that people don't know about being on the road? Like, like what it's really like? What it's really like? Um, the actual being on stage is the, f- you know, obviously the fun part. And everything else around it is, is the work. Right. To me, like, that's what you're getting paid for. Yeah. You're not getting, you're not getting paid for, like, getting on stage and performing and singing your heart out. Because you would do that for free. That's your passion. That's your love. But the traveling to that place, the long, you know, waiting for a sound check and this and that, the, um, you know, the, the shitty food that you cannot find yeah. <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> yeah. um, that's the work. And when you do that, like, every single day for, like, five or six weeks, I mean, yeah. It gets it's 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 taxing. So what was the? Do you remember the like the worst tour that you were on early on? Oh man, the worst tour. I I I, I hate to sound like oh, I remember, but I really I I have not had like that like hor a horrible yeah. situation where I go like I'm never doing this. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I mean. You've had your tours where you, of course, gone out and really haven't made a lot of money, and you go. But then you always come back thinking like, oh, but it's an investment, and you know. And then you're also gotta think like, Jesus, like you're making a living. You're a musician, and you're making a living. And there's people like starving in my country. You know what I mean? So yeah. I cannot take it for granted. So I, I, I've had bad experiences like bad bad concerts. 
Um, yeah, I've had, okay, I can think of one concert in Germany, actually not long ago, where I'm, I'm playing my set and the, the audience is into it. And then the promoter, uh, this was, you know, they told me this after the fact, but the promoter was telling, you know, another person from my touring crew, um, like, why, why is she playing these slow songs? People are like falling asleep and like, yeah. you know, yeah. and you're like, what is this guy? And then later you realize, okay, well the, the club, uh, usually hosts like heavy metal bands. Uh-huh. So I'm like, great. What yeah. am I doing here? But the people were having a good time. Yeah, they're not falling asleep. You know, they're just listening. They're not like getting up and dancing on the slow songs. <laughs> um, so that was not a very good, you know, vibe yeah. from the from the promoter. And, you know, it's just, it feels weird. And then there's, you have your weird shows where, you know, at the end of the show, well, people, people every audience is different, right? right? Like you're in Germany or you're in Australia and... and if it's an older crowd, whatever it is, but like sometimes like they'll clap like at the very last song and then they stop clapping and you haven't even left the stage and that kind of thing where it's just a little awkward. But, um, yeah. Have you ever broken a bone? No, never. Me neither. Knock on wood. I'm not sure why I wrote that down, but you know. (laughs) That's it. Yeah, no, never. Do you like to cook at home? I do. I do. I don't cook a whole lot. Like I don't do it every day. But when I do, and, 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 and you know, I, I do it together with my husband, it's, it's fun. We put on a record, and it's relaxing. What's your it's favorite nice. dish? Um, well, you know, I love, I love making soups. I'm, I'm vegan. So, um, yeah, I make a mean sweet potato soup. And, yeah, and then, like, little, like, curry dishes, things like that. Mm. Yeah. We're going to do a couple creative exercises. Okay. To challenge our brains. Okay. <laughs> the first thing that comes to your brain when I say the word <clears throat> hijack. Car. Hellfire. Hellfire. Uh, dragon. Okay. <laughs> Picnic. Park. Tongue. Sto- uh, Rolling Stones. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite Rolling Stone song? <laughs> Don't think about it. Ruby Tuesday. Yes. Yay! <laughs> I was just practicing that on my auto harp you yesterday. Really? Oh man. <laughs> my wife goes, "Is that what the restaurant <laughs> chain is named after?" I know. I was, I was like, like, "You've never I heard just, this." I song? was like, "Ruby Tuesday." Yeah, Tuesday. <laughs> it's like a freaking. Yeah. Oh man, I'm excited. I'm gonna see them this year for the first time. Where? I don't know yet. I'm gonna. Try to go either to the show in um, Santa Clara or Phoenix. It just depends on if I have gigs during that time or not. But I'm flying to see them. I just this is it. It's just I've waited too long, and they're not getting any younger. So we'll just <laughs> all right, last one. No volvere. No volvere. Passion. Mm. Do you dream in English or in Spanish? That's a good question because I, I can't tell you. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if, if I even dream and like, mm. I have silent dreams. <laughs> silent movie dreams. Silent movie dreams. <laughs> All right. Now for the next creative exercise. <laughs> Take the notebook here. Yeah. This is for you. I think there's a pen somewhere in there. Okay. So what we're going to do is. Do you ever write fiction or short fiction? I mean, yeah, songs are written. We're going to pretend to be story writers. Okay. Or playwrights or screenwriters. (laughs) You know, maybe it's a little mini movie. Yes. We're going to go from the first line, the naked boy was found in a field of poppies. Since there is a super boy Yes. Steady life, all we ever had to offer. Now that old bird has flown. How did it feel writing a short story? <laughs> oh, good. Frightening, freeing. No, 
freeing, definitely freeing. All right, you wanna go first? You want me to go first? You go first. Okay. <laughs> see if I can read my handwriting. Okay. The naked boy was found in a field of poppies. At least the police report, it was said to be a boy. He had no arms or legs. They were more tentacles of polished silver with pincers that the detectives had to muzzle with shopping bags from their cruiser trunk. His face was smooth and perfect like a doll, and he only said the same words again and again with a whispering voice that made everyone shiver. They left me here. They left me here. They left. Back at the police station, the officers asked if the boy was hungry, and he nodded. His dead eyes brightening when a leftover sticky bun was presented to him on a paper plate by the station receptionist. Who left you here? Detective Robinson kept asking. The boy snapped his silver pincers under the bags. They did. Who? They kept asking, and it was only when they gave him a Coke and some jelly beans that he really opened up. The ones above and below. The ones who run the world. <laughs> nice. Yes! Wow, you really got to tell me for that. <laughs> I don't know if I want to follow that. <laughs> okay, here we go. The naked boy was found in a field of poppies. He was lost and didn't know where he was. He spoke a strange language no one had ever heard. After running many, many medical tests, it was revealed that he was not even human. His blood was blue. Scientists were baffled. After a few days, a UFO descended from the sky to claim the boy. He looked up and decided he wanted to stay to learn more about the strange planet he had landed on. He had some pretty outstanding superpowers. He could time travel. He took a trip to Paris in the 1920s, adopted a new name, F. Scott Fitzgerald, wrote many novels, and became rich and famous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Maybe that's how F. Scott Fitzgerald... He was, was born. the naked boy in the poppy field. All right, shall we play a song? Yes. Let's play a song. I want to tune this guitar. <clears throat> okay, let me do a new song. Okay. All right, it's called Till Waking Light.
Muchísimas gracias to Gabby Moreno and her team for setting up this interview. And uh, you can go to gabby-moreno.com for her tour dates and her music. She has an upcoming album project with Van Dyke Parks that is hotly anticipated. We don't know when it's coming out, but an announcement is coming soon. And you can go to the bluegrasssituation.com for a really cool feature about Bonnaroo a couple years ago, where Bluegrass Situation founder Ed Helms held a super jam, and the finale was... Gabby singing God Bless the USA in Spanish in the middle of Tennessee. It was the highlight of the festival. So check that out. And my squad, the Dust Bowl Revival, will be playing some festivals in California coming up uh, this Saturday for free at the South Pasadena Eclectic Music Fest, opening for the Gin Blossoms. And then we will be going up to uh, Strawberry Music Fest, which is in Grass Valley, California, May 24th. And the 26th, we will be at Bottle Rock in Napa same day as Mumford and Sons. In June, we take a little break, and then we go all over the place, including an appearance at Mountain Jam in Woodstock, New York. That's where the original Woodstock Festival happened. That is Father's Day, June 16th. And then we'll be finishing the tour at Rompfest. That's in Owensboro, Kentucky. Um, so we'll see you out there somewhere, I hope. The show on the road is hosted by me, Zach Lupiton, and produced by the handsome Hawaiian Chris Jacobs with support from the Bluegrass Situation team. If you love the show on the road, please leave us a review or rating over at iTunes.com slash show on the road. Tell your friend. The show on the road is a part of the BGS podcast network. This is Zach Lubiton. See you on the trail.